0: Well, we are well into our series in Ephesians now, and today is our last week in chapter 1 of Paul's letter to the church that he had established in the city of Ephesus. Now, as we said in week 1, Ephesus was a city that was obsessed with power and with the supernatural and with gods. Remember, they had a temple bigger than any modern-day football or cricket stadium in the world. Uh, dedicated to the goddess of fertility, Artemis. And you can read about Paul's incredible two years of ministry there. Uh, I think it's around about Acts 19. And we're told in Acts 19.8 that Paul argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. So, you know, he went into the public sphere and he made intellectual reasoned arguments about the resurrection and the nature of the kingdom of God breaking in and that Jesus is the Messiah. So he had an apologetic, he had a message to preach and to proclaim. But then there's this other great line in Acts 19.11. It says, God did, while he was in Ephesus, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So it was a ministry of word and deed, or word and spirit, or word and power. It was an intellectual appeal that was accompanied with demonstrations that gave the message authority because of the accompanying supernatural power. I was listening to Nikki Gumbel from Alpha interview Jackie Pullinger last week. Uh, Jackie Pullinger is this amazing missionary to Hong Kong, she she left England and quite a privileged life in the 80s, sailed to Hong Kong, and settled in a place called the Walled City. Uh, It doesn't exist anymore, it's been demolished and knocked down. But at the time, it was where all of basically the misfits of Hong Kong got drained into. So you had triad gang members, heroin addicts, prostitutes, uh, and homeless people. And she just incarnationally ministered amongst those people. Where do you start with Jackie? <laughs> uh, you know, what, what an incredible life. She's still, still alive today. And um, it was so inspiring hearing how she's still doing it in Hong Kong. And, you know, it wasn't overnight, but eventually God used her in power. And particularly a lot of her ministry was to bring heroin addicts out of their addictions. And she would pray in tongues over these broken people. You know, like we do a bit of prayer ministry at the end of the service. Often it's a minute or two, a little bit of shabada babada. And then you kind of go on your merry way, right? But when she would do prayer ministry, it'd be like 48 hours of praying over these people and ministering the power of the Holy Spirit into these heroin addicts' lives. And so many of them, over the course of her ministry, became free from heroin. Uh, just went cold turkey and got born again into the kingdom of God. One of the things she said that's always struck with, stuck with me. She said whenever, you know, she had like moments of difficult times as well. And whenever she felt distant from God or cold in her faith, She would just go back out on the streets with her team and lay hands on the addicted, the poor and the forgotten. Right? If she was struggling with doubt or difficult issues that she was coming up against with her faith, she'd just go and do the Jesus stuff. And then she'd see God move in power and her faith would kind of come back alive. And it's a reminder to me that this, our heads, are so important, right? We need a reason for what we believe, okay? You need proofs of the resurrection, the the, the efficacy of the kingdom of God and, and that it makes sense and the resurrection and all those things. But we also need power. We also need to know that this is not just a philosophy that we are preaching but an alive faith where God is still at work and moving, you with me? So we get to the second half of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in chapter one today. Um, If you're taking handouts still from the front, you can see where I've circled. Um, That's where we're up to in the letter. So last week we received Paul's prayer for wisdom, revelation and enlightenment that we may know the Lord. Okay. We need a revelation, an apocalypse a pulling back of the curtain, an unveiling of our eyes so that we can see Jesus clearly as the Son of God. So it's a prayer that we may know. Part one was about knowing God in Jesus and the hope to which he has called us. And then part two, which we're going to look at today, is about knowing and receiving his great power for us who believe. So let's read it. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. Uh, Like Clayton, you need a good run-up and follow-through in the cricket. So we need that in the passage as well. All right, so that's verse 18 to 20. But let's start verse 17. The Apostle Paul, writing from prison in Rome to the church he had planted over two years in ministry in the city of Ephesus... Now, as you know, there's lots of things that don't work very well with power, fridges without electricity, solar power without sun, but one of those is sailboats without wind. Um, I haven't done a lot of sailing, but a couple of years ago, I was invited onto a friend's 40-foot yacht on Middle Harbour, not too far from here, to have an afternoon on his sailboat. And I was pretty useless, not really knowing what to do. But it was an amazing experience, nonetheless, to go sailing. And every so often, you would come into these patches of the harbour where the wind would drop away. And in this giant kind of boat, all of a sudden, you would just be drifting along. Just kind of powerlessly floating along with any momentum you came into that patch of the harbour with. But basically, you were going absolutely nowhere. But then through some kind of clever captaining, um, some good positioning, all of a sudden, those massive sails would catch the wind. And then, whoosh, all of a sudden, you were off again. And if you're you're holding the wheel, you can feel the power of the wind catch uh, those sails and just propel you forward into motion. And you know, I don't think that's too bad an analogy for the Christian faith. You know, you can't see God. I mean, we have a picture of God in Jesus Christ, but you can't see God today. But by gosh, you can feel his effects. You can feel his power and presence And you know that power, do you not, as a Christian, when it comes to you. It is that wind that you catch that enables you to do what we are meant to do as followers of Jesus. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are like a sailboat without wind. We may talk the talk, walk the walk, we may look pretty good, but it is ultimately just a human endeavour. But then we catch the breath of God. We feel his power, his presence is poured into our lives and it makes all the difference. Now obviously when I'm talking about power, I'm talking about what fuels its ability to work. Rather than power in the sense of coercion or control or abuse. Now we all know that there's that use of the word power. But what I'm talking about today is the ability to fulfill what we are called to do and to be. Gordon Fee calls it in his um, Magnus Open. He's the greatest theological book I think ever written. He calls it God's empowering presence. Here's a great quote from Gordon Fee. He says, for Paul, the power of the Spirit is not only for the more visible and extraordinary manifestations of God's presence, but also for the empowering necessary to be his people in the world. What's he saying here? Basically, yes, the power of the Spirit is amazing when we see God move in extraordinary ways. I mean, who wouldn't want to see more miracles, uh, more words of knowledge, more uh, supernatural things going on? But he says, fundamentally, being empowered by the Spirit is just about being God's people in the world, right? This is how we are going to live, Christ likely, if we're going to do that in a dark and fallen world around us. In other words, bring on the miracles, right? We want to be a church that goes after the supernatural. But more deeply, we just need the Spirit to be at work in our lives, to live Christianly right? To love sacrificially, to stand up for the oppressed, to do the right thing, to live humbly and honestly. We need the Spirit's empowering to live the Christ-like life. So, what is Paul's prayer here for the church in Ephesus, for you and for me? Well, it is for power for us who believe. In other words, for us, That means to our advantage. He prays that we may know the kind of power and the extent of power that God is empowering His children with. He wants you to know what's available to you. Right? You're not the sailboat that's just left adrift with no power and no wind. He wants you to know what is available to you as the children of God. And so what he says is we are given... What is needed to fulfill our calling. So, looking particularly at verse 19, if you want to put that one back up, Gussie. Paul is praying, in order that you may know his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength, verse 20, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Can we do a little bit of the original Greek tonight? I know we've not like done any of that for like eight years and all of a sudden I'm massively into it so (laughs) I'm just into it at the moment so go with me I'll probably get less interested in the original Greek again soon but that's just where I'm at at the moment I'm enjoying the Greek so go with me all right this is called a Greek interlinear you can look one of those up just type Greek New Testament interlinear. If ever you want to have a look at a passage and what the Greek words are and how we came to translate it into the words that we use in our translations, there's a Greek interlinear. And you'll see the Greeks kind of didn't think in the same manner that we did. So you've got to kind of piece together their words to put together the sentences that we have in our Bibles. Does that make sense? All right. So power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Paul prays that we may know the dunamis, the power. Now, from that, we get English words like dynamite. Okay? And what this word dunamis refers to is the capacity to do what needs to be done. So, think capacity. Think God is giving you explosive capacity. It goes on in the NIV, that power is the same. Now, in the NIV, they've translated a different word as power here, but it is actually in the Greek a different word to dunamis. Next one, Gussie. It is energian. Now, from the Greek word energian, we get English words like, have a guess, people, energy. And what that word refers to is the ability to do what needs to be done. So, so far we've been given capacity and we've been given ability by God. It goes on, that power is the same as the mighty strength. Now, mighty is the Greek word kratos. You've got it, Gussie. Awesome. And from that Greek word, we get all the krosi words in English like democracy, theocracy. Democracy means rule of the people. Theocracy, the rule of God. And so what Paul is saying is that mighty refers to the authority that we have been given to do what needs to be done, right? The right is given by God for us to rule. So, so far, may we know that we have been given capacity, ability, and authority, right? This prayer is coming alive, right? And then he says, you've been given mighty strength, and strength is the word iskus. And there is no word in English that that relates to. But what Ischus relates to is inner strength to overcome. It's inner power and will to achieve what needs to be done. That we may overcome obstacles. That we may overcome resistance that comes against us. So that we might be all that God calls us to be in Christ. So think of that prayer. Paul is praying that you may know that God has given to your advantage capacity, ability, authority, and inherent strength as believers of God, from God. Now, all of these words relate to power. So Paul's prayer could basically be, may you know power, that be power, 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 power. Right? That's kind of the essence of what he is praying here for us. God has given us power, dunamis, capacity to do what needs to be done. God has given us energy and ability to do what needs to be done. God has given you might, authority to do what needs to be done. And God has given you strength, inherent capacity to overcome so that you can do what needs to be done. Wow. Come on. That's what you've been left with as believers, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened to know what's available to you, to know the power, the energy, the strength and the might to live as His holy people. Paul is praying that we may know this power, which is available to us who believes. Oh God, open my eyes. That I might see what is available. To comprehend this power, or to put legs on it, so to speak, Paul goes on to show how it works. So, what is the ability, the capacity, the authority of his strength? He says, verse 20, it is the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. Come on. That's what's available to us. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in us. Massively creative power. Power that has seated Jesus on the throne. Power that, as this passage goes on to declare, that has put all things under Christ's feet and dominion. Power that has established the church in this world and upheld it through generations. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in you and me. I love to hear Paul preach. You know, grace and truth, adoption, redemption. Forgiveness, but I also love to hear Paul pray because he prays the power of the gospel. And Paul was a sent one, an apostle, and we know that his prayers please the living God. And so we can now pray the same prayers that Paul prayed with great confidence. His prayers can become our prayers. His experience of the living God can become our experience of the living God. His life of knowing the power made available to him who believed can be our life of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live as God's children. So just to close, how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Well, I'm tempted not to. Just let Paul's prayer be true in your life. Let Paul's prayer wash over you and be a reality for you. Because my guess is you know exactly where you need God's empowering presence right now. You know where you feel weak. And where you need his presence to move in your life. See, maybe it's power to stand against injustice and oppression and to be a voice for the voiceless. That takes courage and that takes power. Maybe it's power to be the new humanity, to actually live a holy life that is set apart, that resists and overcomes the temptations and the depravity of the world around us. That takes great power. Maybe it's power to forbear in love in crummy circumstances. Hello. That takes power. Maybe it's creative power for a miracle in your life or a loved one around you. It just takes great power to live the Christian life. So Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We are so weak without you. Amen.